Question number 14, what is sin? Sin is any failure to measure up to what God requires or any disobedience to his commands. Okay, there are things we don't do and things we do that we should not do, but all must be measured by God's standard, not by our feelings. Sin is not just a matter of actions, but extends to our thoughts and desires as well. Question 15. What was the sin by which our first parents fell from the state in which they were created? Remember, everything was created good, right? No sin. Answer, the sin by which our first parents fell from the state in which they were created was their eating the fruit that God had forbidden. Okay, What made eating the fruit sinful wasn't that the fruit itself was evil, but the fact that God had forbidden it, right? For our good and his glory, right? So God sets the standard, okay? Question 16, did all mankind fall in Adam's first disobedience? Since the covenant of life was made, right? The covenant of, of life, right? Don't eat the fruit, or if you do, you die, right? So that implies that, that if you don't eat the fruit, you'll live, right? Okay, so the covenant of life. It's got consequences, right? It's an agreement that God made with man, right? So, since the covenant of life was made with Adam for his descendants, as well as for himself, all mankind descending from him in the ordinary manner sinned in him and fell with him in his first transgression. Okay, so Adam was the natural head and parent of the human race. Okay, so therefore he represented all of humanity. Okay, but the good news, humanity has a new representative, right? Mm. 1 Corinthians 15, 22. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Right, this is, we're going to get into this next week, the covenant of grace. Okay? Verse, or, sorry, new question for this week, question 17. Into what state did the fall bring mankind? Answer, the fall brought mankind into a state of sin and misery. I'll just read to you Genesis, here, chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. Unto the woman God said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception and sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and they shall des they shall desire their and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face thou shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, unto dust shalt thou return. Okay? So... 
This is the state that mankind fell into, right? A state of sin and misery. Okay? Romans 3.16 says, destruction and misery are in their ways. Okay? Question 18. What is the sinfulness of the state into which man fell? Answer. The sinfulness of the state into which man fell includes the guilt of Adam's first sin, the lack of righteousness which he had at first, and the corruption of every part of his nature, which is commonly called original sin, together with all actual sins which flow from it. Okay, so the footnote there. Sinfulness consists of two parts, the sin of our natures and the sins of our lives. When we do wrong, there is something wrong behind it, right? Our nature is wrong, and so we think, say, and do wrong things, right? Jesus taught us this parable, a bad tree bears bad fruit, okay? Psalm 51.5. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Genesis 6, 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And I'll read to you Psalm 53, verses 1 through 3. The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. Corrupt are they, and have done abominable iniquity. Right? Sin. Lawlessness. There is none that doeth good. God looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there was any that did understand, that did seek God. Every one of them is gone back. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Okay? All right? So this is why, right, this total depravity, as it's called, right? Right? This is why God is calling us to believe in, follow, and obey Jesus. Ephesians 4.24 And that ye put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Right? Totally depraved, but God is calling us to Jesus, who is totally holy. Okay? And our last question, number 19 for today. What misery did the fall bring upon mankind? The fall brought upon mankind loss of communion with God. Okay? This is what we ultimately lost. Communion with God. And it also brought unto mankind God's wrath and curse so that we are justly liable to all miseries. We're responsible to all miseries. We're subject to them. We deserve them, right? In this life, to death itself, and to punishment in hell forever. Okay? The footnote there. Doing wrong can break fellowship, this is real practical, right, with our parents or friends, but how much more with God, right? This really, this is really what death is about. Love for God has ended and we cannot stay with him anymore, right? 
We don't even want to. This is the total depravity that we are. Physical death follows and judgment after that. Okay? Romans 6, there was, they had listed so many verses for all this, like so many. So I just boiled it down here. Romans 6.23a, for the wage of sin is death. John 36b, he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Matthew 46a, and these shall go away into everlasting punishment. Okay, but the righteousness into life eternal. Matthew 46b. No. Right? What's the chapter said? Oh, sorry. Um... Oh, sorry. I'll, I'll get it. I think it's 26. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Thank you, Arnold. Yep. Um, okay. And then John 3, 36a, he that believeth on the Son of has everlasting life. Right? And Romans 6, 23b, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, so I didn't want to end us there on the note of the condemnation, right? Okay. Let me just check that, Arnold. One of the last chapters of Matthew. Yeah, four, it's chapter 25. 25, verse 46. Thanks, Arnold. Yep. So once again, Lord, we thank you for the saints that have come before us, your church, this um, awesome work that they've done here with this confession, uh, this catechism, Lord, this, um, this organizing and uh, condensing of Scripture to lead us through your word and to teach us who you are, who we are. And then ultimately, Lord, we thank you for the grace that we're getting into that you're pouring out onto us. Because we have rejected you, Lord, you've never left us or forsake us. Lord, we turned from you and instantly, Lord, you've given us the gospel, this promise of a Savior coming. So, Lord, we thank you for this teaching. Lord, help us uh, ultimately not to be discouraged by our uh, human nature, Lord, that is in rebellion against you, but to be grateful for saving us from uh, it, Lord. And so help us to clearly be able to communicate your truth to the world around us, and then the gratefulness and the joy of this gift that is you coming to save us, reconciling us unto you, so that we don't have to live in sin anymore, Lord. We can walk in your ways. We can Fulfill your law by you working through us, Lord. We can love you and love other people because you came to us, Lord. So thank you, Lord. And we pray for our time now in your word in Matthew. Uh, Lord, just uh, guide us by your spirit. Open our heart to receive you and uh, to be conformed unto your image by your word, Lord. We pray that you would get the glory that your church would be edified at this time. And thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So yeah, we're back in the book of Matthew, chapter 13. It's a 
today. We're going to look at a few more verses. Matthew chapter 13, verses 47 through 50. Matthew chapter 13, verses 47 through 50. These are the words of God, the words of our Lord Jesus. Verse 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Okay? So the point of this parable, I think, the main point, God is calling us to take life seriously. Right? Before we reach the seriousness of the final judgment. Okay? This is the reality. In last week's parable, the farmer and the businessman, so overwhelmed by the joy of discovering the treasure Jesus, sold everything that they had so that they could fully experience the treasure of the kingdom of God, which is Jesus himself. Both of these men didn't consider it a loss to give up everything because what they were gaining was infinitely greater. Both of these men took Jesus seriously. They made him the priority of their lives. Okay, God is calling us to take Jesus most seriously. He alone is the treasure of God that completely satisfies God. And thus, Jesus is the treasure of God that completely satisfies us. He's calling us, God is calling us to take Jesus seriously. This seriousness is based on the certainty of God's final separation of bad from good people. The great fisherman, Jesus, he casts the kingdom net and gathers all kinds of fish, right? But the kingdom keeps only the righteous. The church, like the net, contains all kinds of people, but the final kingdom will have only one kind of people, people of righteousness. God is calling us to take Jesus most seriously. Okay? So even us, right? Even believers, when we hear this parable, we should fear. Okay? Proverbs 1.7 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. As followers of Jesus, right, we are his disciples, students of God himself, you guys. This is how you can confidently say this, right? We are disciples of Jesus, students of God himself. We need to take the leading, his leading of our lives most seriously. In all of his parables, Jesus wants to teach us something. 
We should want to grow in the knowledge and wisdom of God so that we can be closer to God and experience him more. Right? So God wants us to have a godly fear of him, to take Jesus and his commandments seriously, to be closer to God and experience him more. Verse 47 again, chapter 13. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. Okay? So, for even though a person is, might be, right, he's, someone is in church now in the net, Right? This doesn't mean that in the end we'll be in the kingdom, right? In the vessel. If we are worthless, we will be separated out. If we are righteous, we will be kept in. But who of us is righteous, right? Who of us is really sufficiently serious about Jesus to meet him at his last judgment, right? God's standard for righteousness, the seriousness about Jesus that God requires is this. Okay? God's standard for righteousness, the seriousness about Jesus that God requires is this. That we trust Jesus' seriousness. Okay? Ultimately, this is the reality, now and over all of time, including at the final judgment. Only Jesus is sufficiently serious about God to deserve final separation into the vessel that is the kingdom of God. Only he deserves it, right? This is why faith in him is the line between life and death, right? God doesn't want us to have any faith in our faith, right? God wants us to have all faith in Jesus, right? He alone is the only one that takes God most seriously. Jesus is the only one ever that meets the requirements of God's last judgment. The only thing that pardons anyone else at God's last judgment is that person claiming the righteousness of Jesus being credited to themselves because they have repented of their sins against God and believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. God is warning us about life and the life and death importance of taking Jesus most seriously. And here is the more of the importance of faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus should produce in us God-ordained desire for more Jesus. Okay, right? True faith in Jesus will result in God producing in us a serious desire to make Jesus and his commandments, his leading and teaching of us, that's what his commandments are, his leading and teaching of us, God, he will produce he will make Jesus the priority of our lives, right? That's what true faith does. I want to share with you a quote here from the Christ book commentary. While this Christ by faith focus is the first form of righteousness in any Christian community, 
the parable is not faithfully read if we stop there. We must also be moved to beg God in prayer for that kind of moral righteousness which will make us change our lives, right? Serious faith in Christ always leads disciples to seek to be righteous, not in order to earn heaven, but in order to be faithful, right? This is awesome. While the first half of discipleship, as the first half of the beat attitudes taught us, right? The blessings of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. The first half, right? Jesus taught us to go down on our knees and confess our poverty in both spirit and righteousness, right? But the second half of discipleship and the second half of the Beatitudes sometimes is neglected in our churches from a fear of works righteousness. It is to get to our feet and seek to keep Jesus' commandments. It is not enough merely to say we are nothing, right? We must also seek to be Christians. Okay? So faith in Jesus starts with submission to him, but then he picks us up and empowers us to obey him. And he enables us to do his work, which he commands us to do, right? Teach all nations to obey his commands. <laughs> right? That's his word to us. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Okay? So like the farmer and the businessman in last week's parable, the joy of the discovery, Jesus, is who empowered them to do the selling. Right? The treasure of God is the power of God that enables the obedience to God's commands. But make no mistake about it, God is calling us to obey the commands of Jesus. To take Jesus most seriously now at this very moment and at all moments so that we can joyfully and confidently stand with him at the inevitable final judgment of God. I'll share with you a short, another short quote. Serious faith in Christ always leads disciples to seek to be righteous. Not in order to earn heaven, but in order to be faithful. Right? To Him. Right? Faithful to the one that we are following. Right? Serious faith in Christ always leads disciples to seek to be righteous. Not in order to earn heaven, but in order to be faithful. Jesus is warning us here of a false sense of security in Christianity. Is Jesus Lord to us just on Sundays when we come to church? Or is he our life's desire, right? Do we want to faithfully follow and obey him? Is this our desire? Yep. Amen. Is Jesus our life's priority? This is what God is calling us to. For our good, right? And his glory. Jesus is teaching us there is such a thing as godly fear of God, right? We are sinful man. Our tendency is to rebel against God. Without God ministering his grace to us, none of us would turn to him. Right? We didn't choose Jesus. He chose us. Right? 
Without God ministering his grace to us, none of us would turn to him. We need God's warning us, right? This is part of what grace is. So that we will be faithful followers of him. Matthew 26, verses 40 and 41. It's uh, 586 mark in your Bible. Matthew 26, verses 40 and 41. And he cometh unto the disciples, Jesus, and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What, could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Right? Here, Jesus is warning Peter, pay attention to me. Right? Even the apostles themselves needed to be reminded. This should be encouraging to us, right? Faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone, according to Scripture alone, for the glory of God alone. But we all need to be reminded, right? Warned by the Lord Jesus himself to take him and his commandments most seriously, right? For our good. I was able to give, uh, I was able to share my testimony with the lady that uh, is buying this house that I've been working on. And I just remember this comment she made. She's like, I don't do well with commandments. <laughs> it's like, amen. We don't, we're rebels, right? But by the grace of God, right? He wants us to obey him. Right. Amen. Amen. Right. Amen. Amen. That's right, Arnold. This is really what it's about, right? Being faithful to the one we are following. Amen, Arnold. Amen. For our good and God's glory always. Thank you. Yes. Okay, Bible commentator Matthew, Matthew Henry said, Christ himself preached often of hell torments as the everlasting punishment of hypocrites. And it is good for us to be often reminded of this awakening, quickening truth. Martin Luther, in his exposition of Genesis chapters 18 and 19, the history of the city of Sodom, com commented on the consequences of the loss of the fear of the Lord. This was the beginning of Sodom's downfall. As Solomon says, Proverbs 16, 18, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Right? The beginning of one's downfall is to be proud and fall away from the Lord. Right? This is what we're guilty of. I know better than the Lord. Right? When the fear of the Lord has been discarded, faithfulness vanishes. Okay? This is the importance of understanding Jesus. Okay? That we stand, this is cool, I just keep coming back to this, the, this word understand means to stand underneath, right? Stand underneath him and his teachings and learn from him. That by his power we obey his commandments. I like that, I was so praising God so much for this, this difference here. Because we're talking about the commandments. Psalm 111.10. 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. Exodus 20, 20. Should you be afraid of the Lord, you won't shine. Amen. Amen. Right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all that do his commandments. <laughs> I just want to take pause a moment. I, I wrote a prayer here. Lord, we confess and repent that we don't have a godly fear of you. We don't take Jesus and his commandments seriously. Lord, we are sinful man, but we turn to you to be empowered by your spirit to do your will and obey. Obey your commandments. We pray this for our good and your glory. Lord, empower us to fulfill your great commission, to teach others to obey you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. May we joyfully and confidently be able to stand with you at your blessed end time judgment. Thank you, Lord, for your never-ending love and justice. Amen. All of us were created in the image of God, right? Yep. Deep down inside of everyone, there is this God-given desire for wanting to see and experience the holiness and righteousness of God. We want perfect love and justice, right? Our goal as Christians should be to get to heaven and, and experience Jesus to his fullest. Our desire is to obtain and experience this holiness, this perfection. But the reality is we don't want to submit to God and the standard he demands for reaching this. Okay? In order to obtain this perfect love and holiness, there has to be a standard. Right? A measuring stick for getting there. God himself is that standard. Right? Everybody wants this. But no one wants to confess the standard. There has to be a standard. God is the measuring stick. The only way to obtain heaven is through Jesus, right? Jesus is the standard that God has set. Only by faith, belief in him, what he has done, died to pay the penalty for our sins against God and rose from the dead. This is the only way that we get to God. Jesus is the treasure of heaven. And God is warning us, right? If you want to be confident in this treasure, take Jesus more seriously, right? Now and forever. Make it your priority by his power to obey Jesus' commandments, to live life and experience Jesus to his fullest, to fulfill the law of God, to love God fully and your neighbor as yourself. Because the wailing and gnashing of the teeth that comes after the final judgment of God is the torment and crying and the regret of those people who did not take Jesus seriously when they had a chance. Matthew 13, the last two verses for today. So it shall be at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Right? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
God is warning us, right? Praise God that he is warning us, right? And giving us not only ears to hear, but also the ability to listen and to do the will of God, which is clearly revealed to us in the commandments and parables of our Lord Jesus. I want to just close today with a couple other verses. Uh, Colossians chapter 2. Mark, it's on page 702 if you want. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, just a couple verses here. Colossians chapter 2, page 702. Did I get that right? Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Right? Take Jesus seriously, right? The call by God is to walk in him. Right? Make his commandments your priority and be filled with him. Think about this. Right? We always pray for being filled with the Spirit, right? If we make God our priority, that's what we're going to be filled with. The joy of God. Right? If he is our priority, we will be filled with him. If we take Jesus' commandments seriously, right, we will walk in him. One more, uh, the next book, 1 Thessalonians, chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians, the next book, chapter 2, verses 9 through 13. First Thessalonians, chapter 2, verse 9. For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day because we would not be chargeable unto you of and unto any of you. We preached unto you the gospel of God. Ye are witnesses, and God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. <laughs> that you would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Right? Jesus himself has called us, right? He said it, follow me, right? He's called us to receive him. The power of God himself that enables us to obey God's commandments, right? He, right here, this verse 13, he is effectually working in us. The only thing that makes us able to walk worthy of God, right? What is that? The whole law is summed up in this. How do we walk worthy of God? We love God and love our neighbors. That sums up the whole thing, how we walk worthy of God. 
The only thing that makes us able to walk worthy of God is that through Jesus' commandments, right? God is teaching us how to do this. Isn't this awesome? God is himself is teaching us how to love him and love our neighbors. Amen. We just receive that seriously, right? That's the priority of our lives. We don't put faith in our faith in ourselves. We put faith in God, the power of his word, to transform us, right? Let's pray.